This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast and I'm coming to you on a Sunday afternoon as I'm sitting here in the virtual joint watching the Canaries and the Wickham Wanderers Chairboys fighting it out for the points in the championship as Brentford can smugly sit here after getting three points against Stoke City on Saturday and like I said to you my name is Billy Grant and I'm sitting in the virtual joint I'm very very happy because we've got three points and I can relax and I'm here with my chums in the house Laney how are you? I'm very good thank you Mr Grant yes uh, second half performance yesterday has perked me right up I wasn't quite sure where I would be or what I'd be feeling um, when it got to uh, one minute into the game but uh, yeah the the bees did brilliantly to come back so uh, lots to talk about and lots of positivity after that second half showing feeling very positive indeed and we've got the Robin Hood in the house. Robin Hood, how are you? Teething tremendous, Senor Grant. Um, it's yeah, it's always a good it's always a good weekend when Brentford get the three points. It's for some reason it seems to be pivotal to one enjoying their their, their week or their weekend or just their day. It was definitely a game of two halves, which we'll talk about in a second, but Laney's absolutely right. I think the positivity and the sheer class which we displayed in the second half yesterday has yeah, put me in a very, very good mood and the sun's shining. And yeah, I'm feeling very, feeling teething tremendous. Excellent news as well. And also, we just thought we'd actually get him out of his statistical lab as he's been sitting there with, uh, in a room with no windows, just punching away computers and numbers and whirring and all sorts of stuff. We've got Will, the spreadsheet wink, is actually in the studio with us today. Will, how are you? I'm very good, I'm very good. Sun's shining. Please, you've got three points. What more can you ask for? Against Stoke as well, which I... I always hate it when we play Stoke, if I'm honest, because they're just such an awful team to play. So, very, very pleased. Very good indeed. And, and Will, it's good that you've got your apprentice on as well, who's going to be giving the figures a little bit later. Is that right? We have. We'll see. We'll, we'll see how they do. We'll see how they do. I'm not quite sure they can ever live up to the old uh, the old Liberals, so we'll, we'll have to see how they do. OK, right. We'll see how that goes. But anyway, look, very happy. And tell you something, you know, people talk about business end of the season, and I'm not quite sure... D- there's 13 games to go. Are we at the business end of the season yet, or is this still a little while? I think it's late pre-season, isn't it? <laughs> 
I don't know if it's late pre-season. I think it's probably sort of late early end of season, late mid-season. Yeah. Any 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 other calls? End of season eve. End of season eve. I think if if it was a running track, we'd be just coming. We'd be halfway round the the last bend, approaching the home straight. So if it was the Grand National, would we get into Beaches Brookers yet? Yeah, I think I think we're we're approaching the home straight of the season. Is the best way I put it. So 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 basically, yes, we are we're we are we're not quite home and dry at all, but we're coming around the final bend, as they say, thirteen matches to go and. 13 matches unlucky for some you know Brentford are sitting in second place currently behind Norwich and at the moment as we say Norwich are playing Wicked Wanderers it's nil all at the moment now so at the moment like I said to you currently behind Norwich four points behind first place Norwich or fifth points if they if you count the point that they're getting here at the moment now but the game is still in motion and um, and also like I said to you we are in uh, we're ahead three points ahead of third place Watford and four points in front of fourth place Swansea who have actually two games in hand uh, how did they get on yesterday Bill <laughs> actually let me have to check actually Swansea they were winning 1-0 then hold on a second uh, I saw are you fall over I wouldn't say that he cheated he just said you have to just fall over and then all of a sudden Bristol City got a couple of goals and uh, they won didn't they do you want to talk about Swansea in any more detail because apparently we get paid like three quid off the, off the, <laughs> off the, the Kofi bloke <laughs> if I wind you up so if you act really angry and you buy us another drink uh, well, I'll tell you something I'm not angry with Swansea at all because I spent most of yesterday afternoon <laughs> crying with laughter especially when I saw the uh, the two goals that they let in one of them reminded me of actually enough to say if anyone hasn't seen it yet you've got to definitely check it out the first goal for Bristol City um, was uh, reminded me of Stan Bowles. Do you remember when Stanley Bowles did that curling corner where he took a corner and he curled the ball corner all the way into the back of the net without touching anybody? So they did exactly the same for that with Bristol City with their first goal. And then the second goal was, we'll talk, second goal, I ain't going to spoil it. We're going to talk about that a little bit later when we talk about the Stoke City game. But just coming back to, and you notice, I, I thought I did really well there actually. I was very professional when I talked about our rivals then. Uh, the question I'm going to ask you... Plenty of time to go, Bill, don't worry. <laughs> I'm going to ask you a quick question, though, OK? I mean, that Stoke result, for me, you know, 1-0 down after whatever time we were in, 2-1 up in the end. I, I thought that was actually magnificent. And the reason why is that, you know, we were, you know, talking about going into 13 games to go. we come off the back of a long unbeaten run. we lost three games. we come back and we won a game. And all of a sudden, we've gone in and we've done the same thing that we did before the old fluff, you know, giving the ball away and ball into the back of the net. And also Stoke City, you know, tough team to play against, very organised team to play against. And, um, you know, I thought it was really, really uh, real tough. So for us to turn that game around and actually got a result, get three points out of it, personally, I think because of the timing of it, because of the team it was against, and also because of the results that went our way with uh, Swansea losing, as I, as I mentioned before, and also Watford losing as well, which has given us a little bit of a gap. I actually think psychologically this has been the best result of the season so far. But I'm just wondering, you guys, what do you think about that? Robin Hood? There's only one other result this season that I can really liken it to in terms of its significance and I think the value of it, and that was the 2-1 win at home to Bournemouth. Uh, which was, I think, yeah, 30th of December, which was just one of those games that, you know, like, um, similar to Stoke, we started off atrociously, although we didn't concede um, in the opening 10, you know, that Bournemouth had about five or six chances in the first 10 minutes or so. Um, but I think the significance of that result was in that same weekend, uh, Swansea uh, could only manage a draw, um, and so could Norwich that, that 
that um, that game as well. And also we got two, uh, three points off Bournemouth who were chasing the playoffs as well. So I think that that's the only result I can compare it to. And um, I think Tarek Fossu with the last minute winner as well, it just made it a bit more euphoric. And I think that's when I started to really believe that we could go against the other uh, big hitters in this in the championship this season that are vying for promotion and come out with three points. And that's when I really started to believe that, OK, we are really genuine title contenders here. So... For me, whilst the Stoke game, this is a very significant result, especially considering the three losses uh, that we went through recently. Um, I just think because of the calibre of opposition that we were up against against Bournemouth um, and in a similar sense of the other results that weekend going our way, I'd say Bournemouth was a slightly more important result for us. It's interesting because I thought the Bournemouth game at the time, I was absolutely delighted. Obviously, Bournemouth were right up there. We thought they were going to be top team. But it's almost like the Bournemouth sort of teed things up nicely because we're still in December, so we still had a lot of the season to go. And if we had lost that game, then you know we still could have you know won other games that had been fine and I know that it obviously set us up quite well but for me you know looking back on it that Bournemouth game was good but this game even though you know Stoke City aren't seen as being as a higher calibre as Bournemouth even though I think Stoke were a pretty decent side I just thought this was better Laney uh, I was going to pick Bournemouth game um, so cheers for that Robin um, but we have had others where we've uh, sort of like really fought against the odds to keep the run going um, so if I can't have Bournemouth um, I will probably go for Reading away which I thought again in, in a similar way to the Bournemouth game I think it, it really set our stall out I think it uh, underlined our true credentials and the calibre of the team um, it was a real banana skin of a, of a fixture it, you know again we were we were knee deep in that run um, and it, you know, it, it was going to you know, we said it a million times the run was going to end um, at some stage but we kind of hoped it really wasn't against Reading because you know they they were at the time they were sort of like you know breathing down our necks a little bit and uh, you know that those three points would have would have kind of swung it a, a fair bit at the time they've they've kind of fallen away since then so it, you know if we played that game on Wednesday or next Saturday the the, the sort of like the the the, 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 the real significance of it um, or the, the the pressure cooker part of that would have been sort of diminished slightly but yeah so. The Reading game, I think, was was important. Again, it just really—it was a statement to the division that you know people can rave about Reading, but you know we went there and we did a job. I think that's a fair point, uh, Will. I actually reckon that the uh, the three 0 win against Wednesday midweek was one of the most important results of the season. It showed after three games where we'd literally created nothing and uh, had a very very shaky defence. It showed that we hadn't just forgotten how to defend. That we were we that that, that kind of mini blip we had was just that it was just a blip we defended really well and we created loads and we limited them to basically nothing so I thought that was really good even though Wednesday aren't a sort of you know uh, a, a necessarily a good team in the championship they're one of those teams where you really really want to be putting the results away if you want to be at the right end of the table come the end of the season so I thought that was a really important result another fair point as well because again the banana skin that's the thing with Brentford as well we were slipping up on too many banana skins and I think you know that's been the, the problem with the season where we think that we should have got promotion or get playoffs and all of a sudden we start losing to teams that we think that we shouldn't have done and uh, I suppose to be fair to get that result against Sheffield Wednesday was uh, was was very very important but uh, you know talking about actually but it's interesting because you're talking about Bournemouth a little bit earlier the uh, the Robin Hood and uh, I was just wondering did you I mean I'm sure we were all sitting there 
glued to the television watching the Bournemouth match yesterday. But did you, I mean, don't forget about the goals and the, and, the, and the fact that they actually won that match, which is a, a bit weird because you know we would never have been cheering Bournemouth a few weeks ago. But yesterday, I know all the Beast fans were going, "Come on, Bournemouth! Come on, Bournemouth!" And they got that win. We're very, very happy. But did you see the punch up at the end of the game, Lady? I didn't actually. I was watching the game, but um, I was doing a bit of sunbathing in my bed. I, op- I opened the uh, the windows, and uh, the sun was coming in, and I fell asleep. <laughs> and uh, I did a bit of an old man fall asleep in the, in the sun. So uh, I, I saw it. I saw it afterwards a bit, and uh, I watched it this morning. And um, yeah, it's it reminded me of that famous sort of Man United Arsenal punch up from I think it was 1991 92 something like that and it ended up with um, and I hope the outcome of this is similar it ended up with Arsenal being deducted points Um, they went on to actually win the title that year despite of that points deduction and that was a year Tony Adams got sent to prison so um, hopefully they'll get a points deduction and one of their players will do time as well (laughs) <laughs> Will, I mean, did you, did you, you know, were you, were you waiting for the, the the bell to be rung? Like, you know, saying it was sort of uh, seconds to go. Oh, it was mental. It was, it was ridiculous. But it, for me, that it just shows what what you get when both us and Bournemouth have made loan signings from ex Premier League players this season. We've got Winston Reid, and they ended up with Jack Wilshire. And it's just the difference between those two players when you entrust Jack Wilshire, who. I'm not, I mean, I'm not, I don't know the guy, but from my impression of him, he's a bit of a gobshite, really. So that when 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 you bring that sort of player in to kind of give you the experience, and then what he's getting involved in a fracas like that, it just shows how how you know how good our kind of no dickheads policy of signing players is, and, and how important it is. Robin Hood, what are you doing? Just sitting in front of the television, just going, "Come on, get in there!" I mean, were you sort of counting the amount of sendings off, sort of hoping it's going to get to sort of three, four, five? I mean, I was actually. I was going yet another one. Fantastic say there by the Wickham keeper. Uh, anyway, go on. Yeah, Robin. Yeah, um, I th- it was. It reminded me of when I was a kid watching those old WWF Royal Rumble matches when just loads of people just clogging the absolute shite out of each other. Um, it was yeah, it was it was one of those scenes. That I'm going to liken it to similar to Laney liken it to the um, Arsenal versus Man United in 2000. I think it was 2003 or 2004. It was Arsenal's invincible season, where an incident happened at the end of the match and it just all flared up and kicked off on the pitch. Um, but part of me, part of me was thinking that's just that's pathetic. They're all you know they're all overpaid and overpaid gobshites like Will sort of said, including Jack Wilshere. But um, part of me was sort of I quite like that bit of fight and spirit, even without fans there and seeing players really sort of backing each other up. So I was sort of, I was watching it sort of in amazement that, as to what was happening. And I lost track. Was it two players got sent off? I think Wilshere and one. Um, Jao Pe- Pedro got the, got sent off with a tackle in the first place, didn't he? Yeah, he got a second yellow, didn't he? And then Jack Wilshere got a second yellow for, for scrapping about. Um, at the end of the day, it was all handbags. I don't think. Um, it was. I've seen far worse, far worse scraps on a football pitch before, so I don't think it'll come to much. But it was quite good fun watching two of our, um, should we call, let's call them for now, promotion rivals, um, basically self-destructing. It was, it was very good fun, and I hear that Michael Buffer's being drafted in as the new stadium announcer for Bournemouth. <laughs> but this is what this is what you want, Bill, isn't it? You know, you, obviously, it's, it's not it's not very nice to say you want your rivals to sustain injuries, but you know, that's just the way it goes. You're gonna, you're gonna they're gonna pick up stuff. But what what we're kind of saying is really. If if our rivals can be missing their 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 most influential players through one way or the other, it's it's only going to help our cause because 
the games are coming thick and fast and you know as we've seen in the last couple of weeks when you've got a depleted squad uh, you know the performances sometimes dip and it's 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 not going to be easy for any of the teams in that top six let alone the ones at the top and you know when, especially when like teams like Swansea start to bottle it. Listen, we're going to talk about that all a little bit later, but also I just want to say, as you talked a bit earlier, Laney as well, thanks very much for you know everyone listening to Besotted. Go out there and just give us a like on you know all your podcast platforms, on Apple especially. Just write us a review, give us some likes. Just, just, just anyone, just tell everybody about us. You know, really appreciate it. Also, appreciate the support. You know, we'd be able to make our sound sound a lot better as we bought some more equipment. As I said, Besotted dot com forward slash beer and again you know thanks to jack out there for supporting us this week big up to you jack as well and always so we've got lewis coglin who calls himself lou b lou which is uh, interesting <laughs> lou b lou thanks for being such an entertaining and interesting crowd you make a real difference so uh, cheers for your support there as well lou b lou and uh, every yeah nice one and like i said to you everybody else thank you very much for all that lot but we listen be waiting for this moment we're gonna to have to come back and we're gonna to have to talk about that game at the weekend stoke city who came to be spoilers at new griffin park but it didn't quite work because brentford did what they had to do we got the three points and we're going to chat about that after this little break so stoke city came down to new griffin park and within a minute they were a goal up david raya decided to do some sort of kind of nonsense got the ball decided to pass it to nobody and uh, well he actually didn't pass it to nobody he actually passed it to the Stoke player and then he decided to run out the Stoke player said I didn't mean to pass to you could you give it back to me the Stoke player passed it to his mate and his mate put it in the back of the empty net I'm gonna have to ask you guys what was the very first thing that you said when David Raya made the pass to the Stoke City player Laney I said oh for fuck's sake um, um, it was it was just just ridiculous to to be a goal down within a minute. You know, it's uh, we we've seen in the last month, month, six weeks where we're a goal down within two minutes, and uh, they they even surpassed themselves in, in in that kind of shooting themselves in the foot or sort of like starting the game, you know, with one arm behind their backs or sort of with one leg hopping around. It's you, you don't you don't really want to go into a game, especially uh, with you know Stoke's reputation of being spoilers, as, as Will rightly said, um, and. You know, it, it it was the worst possible start against uh, you know an opposition who are more than well equipped to to take a goal and defend it. Um, so the first half display on top, you know, compounded that start. I, I thought we looked lost. Um, I think we didn't have any width. Uh, you know, I think Mumbuimo out on the left and. Uh, uh, he just he just didn't get he didn't get any service and when he did get it he just didn't look like he knew what he, he, his role was so I, I just think it was just a, a really flat first half and that, that that was as I said it was the worst possible start so yeah it was it was just like for fuck's sake you know why have we got to, why have we got to do that and Raya uh, you know he's he's cost us a couple of goals fortunately he didn't cost us any points um, but. Considering on Wednesday we seem to be a bit more no nonsense and we were happy to knock it out rather than take any risks, it kind of like showed that you know that sort of 
Achilles heel, that sort of soft underbelly, is kind of still lurking. So too, 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 too big a risk too early in the game. And I'll ask the question, honestly, when we went 1-0 down with a minute into the game, did you honestly think we'd get back into that match and win it? Did I think? No. Um, so the, the expression goes, I wouldn't have put money on it. So when we went a goal down against Barnsley... I did. I put five quid on Brentford coming back. Um, obviously, that didn't happen. Uh, yesterday, I didn't. So, I, no, I didn't believe that we were going to come back and win it. Robin Hood, first words. Uh, my first exact words, I remember, it was um, it was not too dissimilar from Laney's. It was, oh, for fuck's sake, we never make it easy for ourselves, do we? Um, and I think, yeah... My housemate uh, Edward the Headwood was, I think, still cracking open a, um, a bottle of Amstel by the time that we, um, but you know, and probably missed the goal. It was, it was just, it was just a, a complete calamity. And that will teach him. Yeah, exactly. Um, and can, and it was, it was one of those moments where you just think, oh, oh God, he's done it again. It was, it, it's, he's, he's, whilst he's a tremendous keeper, he has just got this impossible ability to have an absolute brain fart. And I think that you know the knockback, the knockback from Sorensen to him wasn't very, very difficult. It was nicely weighted. Uh, he had time to take a touch, but I think in the first minute, the, work, the last thing you want to do is concede because it, it does, it does just mean you get off to motivationally and psychologically get off to a really bad start. I guess in a hindsight, the positive thing was that it happened in the first minute and it gave, and we had plenty of time to come back to it. Um, or come back from it rather so yeah but the, my first words were and I think it's the the, mo- the Brentford mantra is oh for fuck's sake we never make it easy for ourselves do we so that was the first words that came out of my mouth and did you honestly think we'd get back into the match and win it I didn't think we'd win it um, um, I just want to um, chastise Laney for a second if it's okay um, and just say the Barnsley, your Barnsley story is, is proof that you should never bet on Brentford. Like if you're doing accumulators, if you're doing any formula, never bet on Brentford because if they if they do win, they'll mess up your acker. If they don't win, they'll mess up your acker. It just doesn't doesn't work. So um, yeah, Laney, that's a little ticking off for you there. But for me, the um, I was just sort of like right, well, just let's just get a goal before a goal before half time, and then I think then if we got that, I think we'd win it. Um, but when we went into half-time 1-0 down against the Soak side in a re- relatively shocking half of football, let's be honest, um, in terms of art, the way we performed and the overall spectacle for a neutral, um, I didn't think we would have, but... Sorry, Dad. That's all right, son. Don't do it again. <laughs> no, as well. And, and, and talking about, you know, and you talked about the, the amount of times that we've gone behind in these games, six out of the last nine matches, we've actually come back from going 1-0 down. So, like I said to you, the starts in our matches, we, we need to sort out the starts of our matches because, you know, if anything, forget about the football side of things, it's not good for our brains. Our brains, it's not good for our brains, it's not good for our hearts, it's not good for anything in our bodies because it's, it's probably going to, going to explode and stuff, it's all <laughs> over the place. Will, the winker, I've got to ask you though, first of all, what are the first words that you uttered? Similar, similar to Laney and, and, and Robin Hood. There was there was some expletives shouted. Um, my girlfriend is actually a Blackburn Rovers fan, so obviously she knows um, David Raya from from before. And she said, "Oh, it's Calamity Dave again." That was the name he had when he was at Blackburn. They called him Calamity Dave. He does still have a mistake in him like that. I, I honestly felt really sorry for him because I. I I, I'm going to go out on a limb and I, I actually think that David Raya has been one of the best signings we've, we, we've made in the last five years. I, I think that he's so integral to our, our, our attacking play and the way we build up and I think he's also an amazing shot stopper. 
and I feel so sorry for him when he makes a howler like that because let's be honest all goalkeepers do it's just unfortunately he's done it a few times too many this season and I think it means that a lot of people rightly or wrongly get on his back about it so I, I, I feel sorry for the man but yeah it, it, it wasn't good and it shouldn't be happening as, as regularly as it is and, and as a matter of interest you mean you're talking about that we talk about this a lot about David Raya being part of our attack in effect sets up goals um, he passes the ball a lot have you been looking into how many passes he makes? Because if you think about it, if he makes lots and lots of passes, you've got to look at about how many fluffs that you do with the passes that you make. And uh, we were thinking <laughs> that maybe we should, you know, have another factor out there, the XF, you know, instead of, you know, XG and, and, and XC, which is Swansea cheating, you know, we've got XF, which is X fluff, you know, how many fluffs a goalkeeper makes. And I mean, if maybe if he makes so many passes, then he might be able to get away with making, you know, a, a few mistakes because relative to the amount of passes that he makes or completes, the fluffs are relatively few. Have you looked into that at all? Yeah, so um, he's got one of the highest uh, completion percentages of short passes in the championship. He's up there with... Tim, I mean, Tim Krull has 99.1% short pass accuracy. David's on 97.8. Uh, Woodman from Swansea's on 96.4. Uh, but he does make a lot of short passes in the game. So he makes 26.71 passes in an average 90 this season. Whereas Woodman only makes 10.68 short passes per 90. He doesn't go quite. Uh, he doesn't go long as often as other keepers either. Um, so that, that that's another thing that, that, that increases his pass his pass percentage. Um, I think that. Um for me, I think I don't know if David Ray. The, I can't remember which game it was. I think it might have been the Bournemouth game actually at home, where he nutmegged the striker who was rushing him. I don't know if that's got to his head before, because for me, where David Ray excels is those, you know, those long those chip passes out to the wing or those long throws out that start attacks rather than just simply going through the motions of playing to the centre back. So I don't know if he, that little nutmeg that he did has made him a bit more confident and a bit more cocky but I think since then he started making those mistakes like he did against Coventry and like he did against Stoke City there was a goal there was a goal wasn't it in the um after after football restarted after the first lockdown there was a goal that we scored I can't remember who it was against but it was just it Raya passed it straight to Jensen who one touch passed it to Watkins who who, who banged it in it was the Swansea, Swansea in the playoffs yeah. oh, it was the Swansea in the playoffs it was the best goal I think I've ever seen Brentford score it was just like completely fluid and, and, and perfect and he is so brilliant at seeing the space and, 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 and being able to do that when we're on the counter I agree that you've got to feel a little bit sorry for him sometimes but yesterday I, I, I didn't and I thought it was just his fault and um, yes he's brilliant and yes you're right he's probably the best best signing we've made for a long long time in, in terms of being able to start our attacks being able to pick a long pass you know the sweeper keeper that you know, we've, we've talked about for a long time I think he's getting a reputation now of being a slight liability sometimes you've got he needs to eradicate that. It's gonna. It, it could cost him his dream move later on. Yeah, there was you know talk of him going to Arsenal in the close season. They're going to look at him at the moment and go, mm, you know, we've we've, we've got a, we've got slightly erratic keepers. You know, the last thing we want to do is spend twenty twenty five million on 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 David Raya and him not be able to handle the pressure and start doing exactly the same mistakes as the, the goalkeeper we've got at the moment that's chucking the ball in the back of the net. So. You've got to give him credit. Of course, he's a brilliant shop stopper. Yes, he is able to keep us in games, but 
it, he really needs to stop the clangers. He, it's almost a bit nonchalant that, yeah, it's great he's got confidence in that if, if he does make a mistake, it doesn't change the way he, he plays or he tries to read the game. So he knows that he's doing the right things overall. But, I mean, come on, you know, 30 seconds in, you just got to put, put your foot through it or not even put your put, foot through it. Chip it out to the wing. You know, give it give it some space so the the, the forward is no there's no way that he can even intercept it because it's going to be three or four foot above his head. Still, he can still play a delightfully weighted, chipped ball to uh, Madsbeck for him to sort of then take it up up the wing slightly, or or you know, or just drag it back and play it through the middle like he does. You know, we we all have kittens, don't we? When they play that triangle, um, it's rolled out to the edge of the box. It's played back to the you know out out to the flank, played back into Raya, who then does a sort of a first time angled. You know, it it is it does. It, it takes a lot of nerve and a lot of confidence and a lot of ability to be able to play like that. And, and maybe it shows as fans where you know we're 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 basically kind of like always expecting the worst. But to 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 be a goal down inside thirty seconds, it's completely self self um, you know self caused is just too much. T- to be fair though, Laney, I mean it wasn't the only CKF. Yesterday, uh, that's championship keeper fluff, <laughs> you know, because there was another keeper fluff as well yesterday, which I thought, listen, we have to bring up because we're lambasting, you know, Raya for that mistake at the moment now. But it just goes to show you that, you know, it could be done by anybody. And there was a fluff in Wales by the Welsh keeper, Woodman. They were winning that game, and all of a sudden, before you knew it, you know, Woodman's run out of his goal. He's basically kicked the ball against the Bristol City player, and it bounces back, and he just puts it in the back of the net. I've got to ask you guys, I mean, listen, we're, we're really not happy about that Raya opportunity and the goal that he gave to, to Stoke. However, which one was worse? The Swansea opportunity or the uh, Brentford opportunity? The Raya fluff or the Woodman fluff? Um, I'd, go, I'd, I'd go with um, the Woodman fluff. Personally, I think um, there's definitely a bit of Asian Woodman going on. You know, Freddie Woodman, Andy, Andy Woodman, ex-Brentford goalkeeper's son. I think there's something going on there. But I think Woodman's fluff, if you look at it, he had a lot more time and a lot less pressure on him uh, to get rid of the ball. So I'd say his was worse. Um, but we shouldn't use that to excuse David Raya from doing that. But yeah, definitely some Asian Woodman going on. I, I go, I go, I go, Raya. You know, I, I don't, I don't care what Swansea are doing. It's, I just, I just, it's important that we get things right. Yeah, I mean. It's, it's, it's comical when it happens to another team, but it, it means more when it's when it's us. So yeah, R- Raya, stop it, mate, please. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd go Raya. The, the fact that it put us one nil down against Stoke, who could then easily have sat with a flat back eight for the rest of the game and, and defended everything, uh, that was just so frustrating. So yeah, I, th- I think Raya's because of the kind of context of the game was probably worse. And also asking you, did you honestly think we'd get back into that match? I always think bees have a goal in us this season because we've got we've, we've got Ivan right. Either Ivan's going to score or Janelt or De Silva's going to hit something and it's going to fly into the top corner. One of those two things is probably going to happen in, in an average game. So I always think we, we have a goal in us. So I thought we I thought we'd probably draw level. I thought we'd probably draw it. I was quite surprised when we when we came back to win it. And for me, I'll be honest with you, I didn't think 
that we'd get back into the match at all. I just thought it was going to be one step beyond. I thought Stoke were looking pretty organised. We'd gone behind. I thought heads would go down. So I think big up to the team for actually coming back in that match and as we're sitting here actually watching this Norwich match and Norwich have actually gone one up against Wickham but you probably know this by the time you listen to it like I said to you we're sort of kind of live watching by live podcasting at the same time but anyway we've been just chatting emotionally about what's been going on in that match against Stoke City but we thought we need to go to the numbers man well he's, he's kind of like a sort of kind of he's not a substitute but what he is he's like a trainee numbers man but he's been sitting in his little lab trying to Excel sheets and you know abacuses and all sorts of stuff. I'm, I think they've got electricity where he lives at the moment in the, in the, in the West Country. Listen, we're going to go over to Liberal Nick, the spreadsheet winker. He's going to tell us all we need to know about that Stoke City match. Spreadsheet winker. Hello, I've been asked to provide a few stats and possibly some facts about Saturday's game. So here goes. Brentford scored one more goal than Stoke City and therefore walked away 2-1 winners. Oh, you want more? OK. In terms of XG, B's made 0.85 and Stoke made 1.35. Brentford put away two low XG chances in this match. The first was Vitaly Janelt's rocket in the 56th minute, which had 0.04 XG. Then Ivan Tony poked home the winner on 79 minutes, which was a difficult 9% chance. That had 100% of Brentford fans up off their sofas and chairs and dancing around their rooms. Stoke made two massive chances in the bees box during the game. The first one, yeah, you'll never guess the first one. That was the gift from David Rare, 25 seconds in. A 37% chance which Brown guided home. And that possibly had 99.8% of Brentford fans cursing. Stoke's second was Powell's 32nd minute chance, right on the six-yard box coming from a knockdown free kick. This 47% chance drew an excellent reflex save from Rare to keep the bees in the game and then had 86.75% of Brentford supporters saying that Rail was the right man for the goalkeeping position. So there you have it. The true stats and possibly some real facts from Brentford's game on Saturday. Come on you bees and bring on Norwich. Bye. So that was Liberal Nick, the spreadsheet winker coming out with all sorts of stats for a man who just ridicules the numbers and says he has no interest. He seems to have a lot of interest at this moment in time, doesn't he, Lane? Yes, the liberal Nick on the numbers is hypocrite, isn't he? <laughs> he's totally, totally hypocritical. But to be fair, at least he's, you know, he's, he's kind of come over to this side of the water. Well, not even this side, because, you know, we, 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 we stretch on both sides. We, we like to have a bit of numbers, but we like to also, you know, have a little bit of passion and a little bit of kind of seeing it with your eyes kind of stuff. So it's good to see. And then, I mean, any, anyone would have thought he'd been spoon-fed that information. <laughs> it's a good thing in true Brentford fashion that we've sourced a new liberal, though. Uh, that's ready to step up if we sell the, this Liberal on for great profit. <laughs> that's right, that's right. But listen, you know, Will, you know, just talking about those numbers, the first thing that I found was a little bit kind of worrying again. Listen, we got a great result out of it and we were very happy, 
But we, we lost the XG war yet again, didn't we? We did, yeah, yeah. We uh, we only we only created 0.89, whereas they created 1.35, primarily from two massive chances. Obviously, the goal that was just a complete gift, 37% chance within 25 seconds, and then Powell in the 32nd minute um, from a free kick. Raya saved it brilliantly at close range, so. I don't know. In my mind, he's almost like made up for the uh, made up for the error from the goal there because that that is a that is a really really good chance and, and Powell should really be scoring from there. And in terms of the uh, in terms of attack, we were just superbly clinical. However, you know, Tony managed to get that that that, that goal in. It was just a nine percent chance. He, he was being pushed over by a defender. There were loads of people around him. And he still managed to poke it home. So unbelievably clinical but I'm going to say to you I mean okay this is great and we got the result we got the goals we got the win we got the three points but if that was say for example you know Reading you know at the beginning of the season Reading were literally kind of like putting every opportunity in the back of the net or scoring these sort of kind of low opportunity chances and they were getting ridiculed they're still at the top of the league and they're doing well but they were getting ridiculed and people say it's not going to last now for us we kind of seem to be falling into that same area is this something to be concerned about do you think I think I think that yes, in, in in some ways, because it means that winning in in the way that we have in 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 this game is not sustainable. So it means that it means that we're not we're not going to be able to win like this absolutely every week. The thing is that we're not going to play Stoke absolutely every week. They they really do play a, a difficult block to to kind of break down. You know, when when they drop into essentially a flat back five, they don't really play with wing backs, especially not when they're either drawing or ahead. So we're not going to play Stoke every week. We're not going to play teams that are going to press us as high as Stoke did yesterday in in, in in some instances. So I think that yes, whilst it is it is it is maybe cause for concern, I think that Stoke are just a particularly difficult team to kind of create big chances against. I, th- I think we got out of jail yesterday. I agree. I think the numbers prove that. You know, to to a, a draw probably on another day where we, we we get one of those chances. You know, the Yanel uh, goal was just simply a thing of beauty, um, and you know that that must have been a very low chance. Will that was uh, I think it was four percent that one. Yeah, that, that was un- un- unbelievably low. So basically, you're saying four. Basically, if, if that was taken a hundred times, it would only actually score four times out of those hundred, right? That's right. Yeah, a- absolute thunderbolt from outside of the box. It's from quite a wide position as well, which obviously increases it, uh, uh, decreases the xG a lot. Uh, it, it's just such a difficult shot to get right, and, and many other times in the game, you, you always think about it. You know, many other times during the game, you'll see Vitali or Brian shoot from that distance, and you go, "Oh, for fuck's sake!" He's, you know, he's shooting again when he should be passing. But on the instance that it goes in, obviously everyone loves him because it's a, it's an amazing and a beautiful goal. But especially with forwards who are who are Championship quality, you know, if you're in the Premier League and, and you're playing with like Hyunmin Son or you're playing with Kevin De Bruyne or someone like that, you might expect those goals to go flying in a bit more regularly because they're just elite finishers. But at championship level, those goals are a lot are a lot uh, less likely to go in from, from that area. There's one position which had a bit of a question mark about it, Rico Henry being out. So, you know, we were wondering who's going to go into this position. In the end, we found out it was going to be, again, Mads Beck Sorensen, who filled in when Rico went on in, off injured in the last game. And Mads Beck played a game and he... Um, he did all right, but a lot of people were sort of kind of questioning in the way that he played. And I think the, you know, what I'm going to throw out there as well is that this Mads Beck Sorensen ain't Rico Henry. You know what I'm saying? You ain't going to get him sort of kind of going up and down those wings, you know, travelling at sort of 745 miles an hour and putting the ball into the middle of the area. That's not going to be happening. But Mads almost had a slightly, I must say slightly, but a solid game. 
And it was almost to me, it seemed like we were almost reverting back to sort of kind of a traditional defender. You know, what's, what's the defender meant to do? Like, what's a, what's a left back meant to do? He's meant to sort of defend. You know, we didn't expect them to be running up and down the wing. So he was like doing this traditional defending thing. Laney, were you, were you happy with Madsbeck? I'm very happy with Madsbeck. I think uh, people will to get off his back. You know, I think he's one, he's, for me, he's one of the players of the season. He's Madsbeck here. Yeah, Mazbach. Um, he's he's dependable. Okay, he's not. He isn't Rico. You're right. You know, who said he who said he was? Um, and he's still a very young player playing at a very high level. Still learning the game. Uh, and I think he's I think he's growing. I think this this year he's come of age slightly more. Um, you know, whether he's Premiership standard. That's that's a separate question, but for 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 Brentford this season, I think he's rolled his sleeves up. He's he's contributing loads, especially now he's starting to take these these long throw-ins. Uh, he can pass. Okay, he's not he's not uh, he's, he's not a you know, a Norgard. He, he he has got his faults. He hasn't got a lot of pace, but I think. He's done nothing wrong. I, I, I don't. I don't see why he gets the criticism he does get in some quarters. Um, can we? Can we find a better left back, centre centre back out there? Um, of, of course. Um, but again, you know, why? I, I, I don't, now's not the time to be to, to be talking about um, his inadequacies because I don't think he, he was he wasn't at fault for the goal yesterday. Um, it wasn't his fault that Raya played an impossible ball that didn't even reach him. Um, so I don't I don't see there's any reason for him getting any flack at the moment. Robin, um, yeah, I, I'd echo that. I think uh, what I will say is you're absolutely right. Mads, Mads Beck is not Rico Henry. You can't really compare. It's completely unfair to compare an out and out diminutive rapid attacking wing-back with a tall, leggy, stocky centre-back who's playing at left-back. And I think anyone that is giving Madsbeck flack for anything that he can't do, that, that he's not doing, that Rico Henry could do, uh, needs, the, needs the head check, to be quite honest. I think it's just so unfair. But I think one, one, thing, one person that deserves ultimate credit for Madsbeck's performances is Thomas Frank. Um, for him, for, I think, for the way in which he's adapted to Rico not, not having Rico, who is so integral, to, as we've always said, to the way in which we attack and the way in which we play football the way that he's getting the best out of Madsbeck Sorensen at left back by switching it using Dalsgaard as the more attacking wing back option and I think I think Thomas Frank deserves deserves a lot of credit for um, the solid performances that Madsbeck is putting into I'm you know if he plays against uh, Norwich uh, in midweek next week, he's going to come up against Emi Buendia, who's arguably the best footballer in the championship. So that will be the big test for him. But considering it's you know it's two games playing out slightly out of position for him, uh, I think he's done very very well, and I think kudos to Thomas Frank and the coaching staff for helping him get there. Will, yeah, I agree. Um, I think I think the tactical shift over to to having Dalsgaard as that main outlet. Uh, as, as, as a wing back has, has has worked well I think that was always going to be the way we were going to play it I think you know y- you can't necessarily criticise Madsbeck because fundamentally he has been thrown in there you know rightly or wrongly the club haven't got another kind of out and out left back in the club well we, we can talk until the cows come home about whether or not Don Thompson should have been sent out on loan or not but as it is we, we don't have another Full left back and 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 Mads, having Mads in there is is is, is fine for me uh, because Dalsgaard is is able to put in such a shift at, at right wing back and and get up and use those overlaps with De Silva and Burmo on the right hand side and, and Fosu. 
uh, I, I actually I actually think that this is this is an all right situation for us. Does it make us more predictable in the attacking phases? Yes, because we're only going to go through the right hand side for those overlaps. Mads isn't going to get up that high unless he's going up for a long throw. Um, so whilst it might make us a little bit more predictable and, and maybe easier to kind of figure out uh, from a from a kind of attacking perspective, I think this is all right. And to be honest. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that we could be wanting anything better than that, really. He's also he's also uh, chipped in with a couple of goals. You know, he scored the third goal on Wednesday, and he, and he gave us the lead against Leicester uh, and Leicester. Sorry, um, and it, so you know, the, it's it's very it's very easy to kind of uh, paper over the the, the 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 many good things he does, and 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 just concentrate on the deficiencies. I don't I don't think that does us a lot of favours at the moment, to be honest. In the day, you know. Let's just have a look at the match and how it went down. I mean, Brentford, we were effective at creating goal-scoring opportunities down the flanks. And uh, is, uh, and we committed a, a number of errors. We were just basically made loads and loads of mistakes. As for Stoke City, they created a number of chances, or quite a lot of chances compared to the amount of possession that they had. But they are very aggressive and they lost possession often. So that's kind of how the, the game panned out uh, in effect. But it was a game that actually changed... In the second half, it was a, the typical game of two halves, wasn't it, Laney? Yeah, it was. Um, and to be fair, I mean, it, it looked like Thomas Frank had uh, put a rocket up at half time and he made early changes, which was a relief. It was good for my heart rate and, uh, and my liver, actually, because I, uh, I mean, I, I could uh, not have to hit the, the, the high volume beer quite so early. Um, I thought we clearly needed to get to get width uh, and you know when Canos came on uh, especially we seemed to sort of step step it up um, it gave uh, Tony a different kind of uh, ball that was it was into him uh, we did ride our luck a couple of times I thought there was one it was a chance where that, um, there was a lobbed um, ball back over the keeper's head where I think it was Winston Reid managed to, to, to beat his man which on another day would either have been headed home or bundled in or just you know just found its way into the net so there, there were opportunities so you couldn't really uh, ever relax even after Yenel had, had scored um, but the Tony the Tony winner um, I thought was just just brilliant you know it was it was everything that we were missing um you know when uh, you know force was 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 playing um up at coventry you know it, it was it was something instinctive um and to see norgard come on as well later in the game there was there, again there was lots of positives in the second half uh, but none really in the first so yeah the, the second half was really important and talking about ivan tony 25 goals now in 31 games he's actually had 14 less games than Ollie Watkins has had to get to the same total as Ollie Watkins got to last season and also his one-off Mitrovic's tally for last season the whole of last season so he's uh, he's pretty phenomenal and I mean we talked about him getting 46 goals in 46 games this season um, I mean he's not going to play 46 games because he's been injured for a few but still I'm not quite sure he's going to get to the 46 but I think we're going to go straight into the 30s or we're gonna, definitely going to go into the 30s but also Lady you talked about Norgard as well coming on in the second half as part of the substitutions I mean Thomas Frank fair play to him he went right we need to just sort this out Norgard came on Tony came on and Jensen came on and you know all three of them in in one way or the other they actually changed that game but it was lovely and I'm going to say that from uh, when they're gushing from his eyes it was lovely to see Norgard coming back because it was interesting because he's one of the players that a lot of people thought we were going to build a team around him this season 
because he was so influential, especially towards the back end of last season, we thought how good he was. And the fact is that when he went injured, it just really knocked us for six. And Yanelt's come back and he was brilliant. But all of a sudden, now Norgard has come back into play. He, he did a few little moves and you thought, God, it's like he's never been away. But the interesting thing is that obviously Norgard came on and Yanelt came off. And so we had the question that's going to happen. Is there going to be any stage where maybe Norgard and Yanelt will play at the same time? Will? I think that they can play at the same time. I'm not sure the club will necessarily make that decision because I think the club has probably seen that Yanelt basically hasn't missed a minute since Norgard was injured. Uh, so he probably needs to be rotated in and out at least a little bit if we want him to be around for the end of the season and not injured. Um, I think they can play in the same team. I think if they did play in the same team, I'd have Norgard as the pivot uh, as in, in the number six role, dropping back in, in as a third centre-back in defensive phases. And I would use uh, Yanelt in either uh, the Joshua Silva or the Matthias Jensen position, one of those two kind of midfield eights that we have, who runs the ball forward, progresses the ball and, and, and gives it to the uh, gives, it, give, gives it to the wingers. Um, I don't see uh, uh, Yanelt as, as much of a passer as Norgard is. I think Norgard is, is a better passer than, than, than Yanelt is, but I also think that Yanel, yeah, Yanel probably could play in either of those positions, but it's whether or not the club decide to do that because of this rotation policy that we've got at the moment, just because of how difficult the season's been in terms of injuries. I mean, it has been, you know, like I said to you, Norgard, key players, been out injured for a very long time. We've had quite a few injuries, you know, Pontus Jansen's still injured. We keep talking about this week in and week out, but it's almost like, you know, it's we've got with the vaccine and we've got with the, the new celebratory. Actually, I've just come back to this, a celebratory. It's like, it's, like, it's like a countdown to June the 21st, actually, isn't it? Like, you know, as like the light at the end of the tunnel, we're thinking, yes, all of a sudden, you know, fingers crossed, you know, things are starting to happen and we start to, you know, see the, you know, that, that we're going to be doing things that we always wanted to do and everyone's feeling a lot happier and cheerier and jollier and everything like that and one of the jollier things is that all these Brentford players are coming back from uh, from injury and obviously like I said Norgard's back you know Pontus Janssen started training as well so he could be back I don't know within the next probably you know after the international window as well Josh De Silva seems to have something that's not quite right with him as well there you know but in general the Brentford team is back so this is actually a really really good sign isn't it Laney? Yeah he's, he's you know he's such a sort of talisman and uh, we, we kind of look to him to give us that solidity that leadership that experience um, we've been very lucky lucky maybe not the right word but we've been fortunate that Yanel has, has really kind of emerged as a, uh, a legend I'd say a Brentford legend already uh, from what he's done this year he's, he's, he's just an incredible talent and a very solid uh, and he, he, he's beyond his years you know the way he plays the game um, I, I'd rather see him in the team than, than Jensen uh, every week but you know Jensen is capable in a, in a, in a team that's got their tails up of, of, of kind of bossing and getting some beautiful passing going he's got vision he's got he hasn't he hasn't got that sort of nasty side to his game that you need sometimes um when you know has so i'd be happy to see them kind of rotating i i don't think you know deserves to be dropped for want of a better word um he does need to have a you know to rest his legs a little bit but then i want to i want to see him play as much as he wants to i think he's he's earned that right and I think it's not going to be fair to come out of this section talking about that game. We've already talked about Janelle, who he had a brilliant game. Even Goddess had a great game. Boomer had a great game yeah, as well. 
But talking about Winston Reid, I mean, we've had some defensive issues over the past couple of months, I'd say. And Winston Reid, I thought he came into this game again and I thought he was probably solid. And that save that he made that you talked about, Laney, where he saved the ball with his, almost like with his face, it looked like, or the side of his head or something like that, on, on the line when he was kind of, I think he was bending back and he made that save, um, which would have put Stoke City, giving them the second goal. I thought that was absolutely brilliant. But there's just something about him that is really calm, really quite cool. You know, he kind of tries to play the ball to man and he just, you know, he just does things which makes you not think, oh my God, what's going on here? I mean, don't you think so? Yeah, I think, um, I, I bloody love Winston Reid. I think he's he's taken on the Pontus mantle of not necessarily being a leader because he's not got the captain's armband or anything like that, but just that experience and now some presence of, okay, Raya's coming out for the ball, might not get there, I'm going to drop back on the line and head it off and, and clear it away. It's it's that sort of, it's the simple things that you don't really notice that I think he's doing very, very well at. I think his um, it's, a, it's also allowed Pinnock to play more on his natural side. Um, of defence, which I think has helped his game a lot. He's he's, he's been a, he's been a real a really shrewd acquisition for, from the club, um, and yeah, I'm I'm just delighted to have him have him in the squad. Uh, maybe if it turns into something permanent, we'll wait and see. But yeah, to to have a sort of like for like Pontus replacement um, until for the near future anyway um, is yeah, it's, it's really relieving. Really relieving. I thought he was I thought he's been class. I think you're right to single him out there as well, Bill. I think yeah, you know, he, he's he's come in and he hasn't put a foot or a header wrong. Um, he's, he's he's it's a really really successful loan spell at the moment. And again, as, as Robin just said, whether that emerges as something permanent or not, or whether it's just you know a, a stopgap or something to get through to the end of the season, time will tell. And you're also right to to, to tip your hat to um, Simon Godos as well, who again. For strange reasons, he's got some really ridiculous stick from some Brentford fans. Um, so it's it's nice to see him kind of emerge because you know he was played in positions that may not have been necessarily his, his natural most comfortable role. And we're we're finding now with uh, there's a there's a certainly a work rate there. He's not a shirker. Um, he, he almost scored an absolute worldie yesterday. Their goalkeeper tipped it over the over the bar. It looked like it was going to reach the top of the top of the corner. So yeah, he, he's we're finding that some of these fringe players are starting to to contribute a lot more than than we we thought they would based on probably performances in their first couple of matches. I think his pressing is just incessant. He does not stop. For someone who you know who's had who had three months out of, out of the game last season, then had his appendix out, and he's um, had to struggle with fitness in the start of this season. It, his 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 running and pressing, you know, admittedly he didn't he doesn't play every minute of every game. It, it's it's just brilliant. I think he's he started to really endear himself to to the Brentford fans in terms of who I've, I think we're starting to realise he's not. Sorry, Ben Rama, but in the same way of comparing Rico Henry to Mads Beck, it's unfair to compare Salman Hodos to. Um, to side Ben Rama, they're a few years apart and different styles of play. And I think Salman Hodges is he arrived with that kind of moniker of okay, this is the side Ben Rama replacement. We're going to play him out on the wing. He's going to do these all these ridiculous tricks. And through the fitness struggles and through the 
um, stick stick that he's been getting. He's emerged as a, a good player in his own right. He's the first Salman Hodos rather than the um, side Ben Rama replacement. So yeah, hats off to him. And again, I have to come back to it. Kudos to Thomas Frank and to the coaching staff and the fitness staff for getting him up and uh, up and running. There was that brilliant bit in the second half as well where Godos squared up to uh, I don't know who it was, and he, he was he's about three foot taller than him, and he just didn't bat an eyelid, did he? You know, he stood his ground, and you it's could like, tell. What are you going to do? Yeah. There is absolutely no messing with the Godos. Let's have a little look at the um, the slope charts. You know, just we do this every week just to see how we're doing. You know, in the XG, the Justice League, what you want to call it, Brentford is at the top. Of the XG charts, uh, number one, Watford second, Norwich a third, Middlesbrough fourth, Bournemouth fifth, Reading sixth, Blackburn seventh. So I think that's pretty much the same as it was last week. Is there someone, someone been missing? Actually, okay, you want me to you want me to go further down then? Okay, so <laughs> Reading a seventh. How far? How much? How much further have we got to go down? Blackburn are eighth, Forest a ninth, Cardiff a tenth, Barnsley eleventh, Stoke a twelfth, Millwall a thirteenth, Swansea. Hey. Oh, oh, there they are. <laughs> Swansea. Oh, there they Swansea. are. I've never mentioned <laughs> them on this podcast, Bill. <laughs> Swansea are 14th, you know, so uh, it's interestingly, so they seem to be sort of kind of, uh, I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask um, Will here, because you are the spreadsheet winker, what is, what is that saying about Swansea, Will? Well, it, well, the chances that they have made have not been good, they, they, they you know, the, the, compared to the number of goals that, that, that they've scored, the, the number of chances that they made hasn't been good, they, they've been very, very lucky to score the number of goals that they have done. Um, they also have an incredibly, to, to be fair to them, they have an incredibly tight defence. Uh, their their defence has been very good and, and they've let in one of the, I think it might be the, the, the least number of goals uh, in, in, in the Championship this season. Um, in terms of where they're going to finish, they're probably still going to finish in the playoffs because of that defence. Um, and this is this is the thing, like if, if, if they do go up, whether it's automatic or playoffs or not, unfortunately teams that are sort of, inverted commas solid or hard to beat as Swansea are kind of functional teams who don't don't score good goals and don't create big opportunities actually tend to do quite well in the Premier League in their first few seasons if you think of like Stoke and Burnley and teams like that absolutely horrible teams to watch horrible teams to play uh, but they, they do tend to do quite well so it's whether or not you, you, you think that the way to go about it is like we do creating big chances and scoring them and playing nice football playing what is admittedly a higher risk game than Swansea do or whether you want to be bored for 90 minutes every time but maybe still grind out a result and cheat and cheat yeah <laughs> I, quite, I don't know about you, Bill, but I, I do think this uh, this kind of like pseudo fake rivalry that's sprung up the second, you know, the latter part of the season it is it is making the the season a little bit more interesting. <laughs> you know, they're, they're cheap. The the the, the bants is, is quite it's quite it's quite entertaining. <laughs> it's very, I mean, I know that you were scrolling through the Swansea, um, the planet was it the planet Swansea forum today, even Laney, and you were looking at that. Oh, it's brilliant! It's it's brilliant. There's a yeah, it's like a, the wheels come off panic button thread they've got going I'll follow that up with a, with the uh, Steve Cooper um, post-match press conference which made me ch- chuckling through that <laughs> I, have to admit, I, I did watch that as well actually <laughs> but one of the comments that did make me laugh is the Swansea fan actually saying that they should actually put um, put advertising hoardings on the bottom of his boots because he's lying on the floor so much they'd actually get quite a lot of coverage because <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's on his ass the whole time and it's so true it is so true I actually yeah I even watched the game again just earlier I got up early and watched the Quest game as well and I just noticed that how many times the Swansea players just get them falling down on the edge of the area and this was just in the highlights but anyway listen let me come back to 538 which is giving the predictions for the season Norwich they predict 
finishing top of the league, 91 points. And then they said it's going to be what's it, uh, 89% chance of getting promoted and 66, 80, 66% chance, percent chance of getting winning the championship. I think it is. He's sitting down there. He hasn't got his glasses on, so I'm just probably making this up at the moment now. Brentford second. that They believe we're going to be 85 points, so six points behind Norwich with a 67% chance of getting promoted and a 20% chance of winning the championship. So they've got Norwich right out there. And then Watford third on 82 points with 49% chance of getting promoted, 9% chance of the championship. Swansea on 80 points in fourth place, 31% chance of getting promoted, 5% chance of the championship. And then after that is Barnsley. Oh, interestingly, Barnsley, they've got them finishing fifth on 73 points. Um, like I said to you, a big gap between fourth and fifth place as far as I'm thinking. And Bournemouth, the muff, sneaking it in in sixth place on 72 points on goal difference from Reading. So it's going to be very tight in that. And then Cardiff actually um, below Reading on 71 points. So it's going to be tight. And then after that, Middlesbrough on 65. So it looks like they're cutting it off at Cardiff. So it's going to be a very interesting few weeks that. But what I think is interesting is that we know how this changes. And they obviously predict what the scores are going to be between teams you know that are playing each other and if the scores don't come in everything changes obviously we're playing Norwich at the weekend or no not even the weekend we're playing them midweek as well so this could look very very different by next Sunday's podcast so I very much look forward to checking that out but anyway we've had a good old chinwag about Stoke City because uh, we had to get off our chest because we're feeling very nice because we actually got three points out of it and uh, it could have gone horribly wrong but anyway we've got to go over to JB because he's got a bit of facts he's got a bit of funk and JB he always makes us feel good even when things aren't going so well but this time they've gone well so to hear JB is all good let's check out what JB has to say about his facts and funk Hello, Jonathan Bertrand here again. So it's Ivan Tony taking all the headlines again, reaching the 25 goal mark. Not only does that take him equal with Neil Morpie and Ollie Watkin from the last couple of seasons, but also Jack Holiday in our Tier 2 promotion season of 1934-35, and the top goal scorer of the 71-72 promotion season, John O'Mara. So that's three season runnings we've had our top goal scorer reach 25 goals, and that's not happened for 60 years. Jim Towers twice and George Francis taking the honours back then, Although for all their goals, they never achieved a promotion. Yesterday was another example of a game of two halves. Although we now have 63 points, if points were awarded on our half-time score, we would only have 47. 60% of our goals this season have come in the second half. So there goes JB and his facts and his funk, and we're talking about goal scorers. We like a bit of goal scorers, don't we boys? Yeah, you can't beat a goal. Everyone loves a goal. Funking love them, yeah. yeah. Goals, 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 as they say, but we, we won't go there. And interesting, he comes out with all sorts of facts. JB tweeted yesterday, he tweeted that six out of nine matches, we've come back from 1-0 down. I mean, it wasn't a, you know, it, it, was, it was true. And, you know, but it's just one of those things which, you know, he comes out with. And uh, like I said, you will love it. And when things are a little bit down sometimes, you always have to turn to JB because he always picks things up because he knows that the Mighty Bees have always got something up their sleeve. And as we're sitting there watching this game with seven minutes to go, Wickham are giving it a right go, as they say, but we're not quite sure whether or not they're going to pull a result out of it. But talking about the team that they're playing, which is Norwich City. Norwich City, we're going up to Norwich on Wednesday for a big six-pointer. 
and we need to find out a little bit more information about Norwich. So we're going to go to Di from the Proud Canary. She's going to give us everything we need to know about Norwich. Hi guys, it's Di Cunningham from Norwich City fan group Proud Canaries. So yeah, we're really enjoying life in the championship. And thank goodness, because the manner of our relegation from the Premier League was pretty grim. That project restart was torrid. So many goals scored against us at home and away. And um, a lot of fans, you know, fans have got really toxic anyway, I think, during lockdown and just firing off nonsense from behind their keyboards. But there were calls for Farker to go over the summer. Uh, We sold Ben Godfrey to Everton, we sold Jamal Lewis to Newcastle, there were worries that Max Ahrens would go, that Pookie would go um, and we managed to hold on to those guys and Emmy obviously as well, we've been worried, worried about Emmy Buendia going uh, either during the summer or during the January transfer window and he's, he's still here but um, some key players did leave and we really struggled to uh, replace Jamal Lewis, signed Javi Quintilla from, on loan from Villarreal, but he was injured early on in the season. And then we had a, another new signing, Jakob Lungi Sorensen, who's a midfielder, covering at left back, and uh, a lot of unhappiness about that. No, I mean, there was no reason to be particularly unhappy. Um, it was just that kind of um, lockdown spite, um, social media hate stuff. Yeah, it's just a couple of nil nils really. We haven't we haven't been operating at full steam. It doesn't look like that. Um, the team haven't really had an opportunity to gel. We've had a lot of injuries, injuries at the back. We've had Christoph Zimmerman in covering for Ben Gibson. Um, now, hopefully, that um, fantastic solid defensive pairing of of Hanley and Gibson is going to stay put till the end of the season. Um, but yeah, um, other new players have had um, um, Premislav Pachetta, a young po- Polish guy, supreme athlete, so fast. If his footballing brain can keep up with his with his feet, he'll be a fantastic player. And and I guess you have to say, if anyone's going to turn around a player and allow them to and help them develop, then. Um, Daniel Farker, as a manager, is probably the guy to do that. He has this fantastic reputation for bringing um, on youngsters. Uh, ben Godfrey and Jamal Lewis, who I've already mentioned, and Max Ahrens, all came through Norwich City's youth system. And um, he bloods them. He gets them involved at a young age, on the bench, um, getting subbed on. And... Um, so similar to that, now we've got um, Josh Martin and Adam Eder. They both come through the youth ranks, uh, both getting opportunities to get uh, some game time as substitutes. Um, other new exciting players, uh, Oliver Skips had a tremendous season, signed him on loan from Spurs. And a defensive midfielder, but so creative, scything passes across the pitch and, and clean, well-timed tackles. A brilliant, brilliant footballing brain. And um, Lucas Rupp, who was, who was uh, you know, fans always have someone they like to hate, don't they? And uh, Lucas Rupp was that guy last season, pretty unpopular with fans. Uh, just good footballing brain but just not quite quick enough uh, that kind of speed of thought thing so I don't know if he's been um, brushing up his uh, his synapses or it's just that the championship's slightly slower 
but he's been flourishing this season. So uh, Lucas Rupp um, and set Skip up for his first senior goal uh, last weekend. Um, so, yeah, but it, as I say, we haven't been firing on all cylinders. Um, so it, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. Now, we've got a solid defence. We've got Ben Gibson back from injury. Um, and we've got Emmy. We, we, Emmy, we lose every now and then to a red card. He's had two so far this season. And when he's not there, we do lose that creativity, even if Campbell's around. But they, the players are just starting to kind of get to that stage of the season where they're reading each other's minds. And so this last uh, 13 games we've got left, including the one against you, I think we are going to see... Um, the best of Norwich City uh, and, uh, well I think it's going to take an awful lot for us not to be um, romping home with that um, title and if anybody's going to take it off us then it, it is going to be um, it's going to be UBs but um, as well as being impressed with you um, I have to say this is quite hard from a Norwich City fan I'm quite impressed with Cardiff since Mick McCarthy went there um, there's a rumour that he might be going to Celtic, so that might hold up their cementing of a promotion place via the playoffs, uh, or at least cementing of, of, of a playoff place. Uh, also impressed with Luton, a uh, team we've lost to twice this season. We've got to play them on the run-in, but they beat us in the cup as well and at, their, and at Kenilworth, Kenilworth Road, but um, very much like with what Nathan Jones is doing. And, yeah, I mean, it might not be a playoff place, but it's definitely, you know, um, k- keeping them in the league would be no small feat um, so impressed with that also um, love what um, Valerian Ishmael's doing at, um, at Oakwell with Barnsley so um, they're my kind of um, teams that uh, yeah, I'm impressed with in terms of our running so yeah, slight anxiety about you guys <laughs> about Luton um, we've also got to play uh, both Bournemouth and Watford but both of those are at home and then um, re- our last two games are Reading and Barnsley so not necessarily the easiest run-in but as I say I think things are really coming together and uh, Pookie, Buendia, Campwell uh, they're all just um, fantastically creative exciting players and the possession football has just just been a fantastic weapon really in the championship and of course we've um still got tim cruel uh, abs- you know he's still playing um international uh, as an international uh, keeper um so uh, brilliantly lucky to, to have to have him wednesday it's going to be a brilliant match i think you know it's kind of head-to-head top of the table clash but it's ivan tony v pookie as well um, and you've got some um, splendidly creative midfielders in that uh, you know in boomer um, uh, De silva um uh, jensen so it should be a brilliant match and i am going to go for a one all draw so that's me um, Di Cunningham from Proud Canaries. Have a good game. So there you have it, Di from the Proud Canaries. Always very enthusiastic about Norwich. Even when they got relegated last season, she knew they'll come down and give us all a little go back in the championship because this is their own turf and they knew all about this territory. But the bees are not going to make it easy for them. And on Wednesday, 
We're playing the Norwich Who, and I'm just going to give you a vibe about what Norwich are about. They like to create chances using through balls. Long shot opportunities, they love that as well. They create a lot of scoring chances. Obviously, they've got very skillful players, and they love the counter-attack. They're not very good in the air. They're not very good at defending against long shots, and they're very, very bad at stopping opponents from creating scoring chances, even though they've just scored against Wickham here now. But anyway, so that is the Norwich vibe. Now, to me... I'm thinking there's plenty of opportunity. It's almost like it's better us playing Norwich than playing against Stoke City because we can the, the, the positives that Brentford have we can actually exploit them and it will. Yeah, I think so. Um, if you if you if you think about Norwich, you know they do have some of the best players in, in the division. They've got a real flair and attack with Emi Buendia, who I'm to be honest, I'm surprised he didn't go to a Premier League side in the January transfer window. They must have slapped a massive price tag on him to keep him um, he, he is brilliant he's probably too good for the championship and if they don't go up then he will certainly leave um, Timu Puki as well he's, he's had 17 goals this year 0.57 xg per average match very similar to Ivan Tony's uh, Ivan Tony's 0.59 um, not quite not quite scored as many as Ivan uh, but then again Ivan has out, outperformed his xg a lot more so yeah it, it's, it's going to be an interesting match their, their, their defense is a bit more interesting if, if you look at the, the the expected goals conceded table they are about mid table for that whereas we are right at the top of it so our defense is is, is, is and has been this season a lot stronger than them um, so yeah it's going to be an interesting game I think I think it's going to be a great game it's uh, it's, it's, it's really got all the ingredients uh, for us to go real toe-to-toe. Um, the thing that worries me really, from what I've seen in, in this game in particular against Wickham and other games recently, they do seem to get a fair share of deflected luck. Um, that's got to run out as well, as, as, as you well know, Will. Um, so, you know, and we've got to get that coming our way probably again soon. So, you know, but what it shows to me is that we... If we do get chances, we have to be clinical and take them. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, in, in the uh, in in the game at New Griffin Park, I think I think the the goal they scored was was ridiculous. It was a ridiculous deflection. I mean, it basically came in off off of Pookie's arse rather than anything else. So yeah, it, they they have they have had quite a lot of luck luck on that front, and, and that as you say will will definitely run out. It would be great if it ran out on Wednesday. Not knocking them because we know they're, they're a great side. They've got some very, very good players. You know, obviously, talk about Pookie scoring goals. Todd Cantwell as well, you know, who, who's running things. You talked about Emmy Buendia. Interestingly, about Emmy Buendia, we asked Dyer that as well. You know, they seem to operate differently if he's not playing as well. You know, so everything, you know, revolves around him. A lot of people sort of say that everything revolves around Ivan Tony, but for, for Brentford, yes, he scored a lot of goals for us, but also. You know, we'd like to think that we can operate without Ivan Tony, and we've got other players that are doing stuff. But you know, the, 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 you know, when Norwich, when Ivan, when when Bandia wasn't playing, and they, I mean, I saw them playing that Swansea game, and they they look like a very very different side. They really attack with confidence, don't they? They're they're like we, they they, they seem more consistent to play like we did in the second half. Uh, where you know, as soon as they get past that halfway line, they've got pace, they've they've got options, and they've got you know two players or three players that are capable of scoring goals. So you know we we have to keep it as tight as we can, and you know and it's statenably obvious. You know if we get a chance, you've got to put it in the back of the net. What do you think, Robin? Um, yeah, I think that this is this is um, our biggest test I think so far of the season, just because of the uh, we're on the comeback. We've had two wins uh, on the spin after three losses on the bounce, um, so there might still be an air of doubt 
uh, in, the, in the players' minds there. Uh, we're going up against the team at the top of the table, which is always a big occasion, and they've got the you know the, the game-changing players you've mentioned, like Emery Buendia, Campwell, Grant Hanley's a very very solid centre-back. Tim Krul's a great keeper. You know this is this is going to be a very very tough game, but um, like you like you guys have already said, it's going to be I think a great spectacle for the neutral. I think it's going to be two very good footballing sides, two very um, good <coughs> possession sides. Um, I think we've probably got the better um, the better team. As a team unity, unity, unity but um, they've just got the experience having been promoted having played in the Premiership uh, it's going to be a fascinating spectacle I feel as though we are very well placed to cause what I think would be a bit of an upset, upset. and I think Brentford always does well when our um, when our the, our fate's not in our own hands and we're playing as slight underdogs I think we always seem to perform better and rise to the occasion so yeah I'm looking forward to the game actually a lot more than I was um, to the game against Stoke so the pressure is off which is a good thing which actually that is a fair point to be Robin because uh, you know when the pressure is off we do seem to play better and also the fans we seem to be able to react to it a lot better as well so listen just going to go around the table here and before we go around the table I'd just like to say that I got the score right against Stoke City I've got a 2-1 as well I think somebody else might have got the same as well but I went for the 2-1 so I was pointed out as well by was it Yadua one of our followers as well I, I, I forgot it completely but he actually pointed it out on Twitter saying Billy you've got the score right I thank you very much for noticing it but listen going around the table here score predictions Will I'm going to go with 2-1 again I reckon Ivan's going to nick it in the 89th minute Robin uh, I'm going to say 2-2 Laney Oh, I'm going to go 2-1 to Brentford as well. Pot and goal, almost said 1-0, but no, 2-1 Brentford. And I think I'm going to keep it tight. I'm going to go 1-0 to the mighty, mighty bees. So anyway, listen, it's been great catching up with everyone. Uh, again, I've got it all off the chest and I feel really good. Great result at the weekend, but big game again on Wednesday. Norwich look like they've beaten Wickham in this game as well, so it's going to be even bigger. But I'm Billy Grant here, sitting here in the virtual joint with my buddies Laney. Good evening. And we've got the Robin. Good day. And we've got Will, the spreadsheet winker. Come on, you bees. Come on, you bees. As we say, listen, we're going to go into Norwich on Wednesday because I was going to go to the hotel down there, but I had to cancel the hotel because we're still in lockdown. We've got to go down there as we say. Come on, days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com this podcast is proud to be part of the talk sport fan network talk sport powered by fans